In this week's episode, I'm talking to Ronnie Bratch from Agreed Alliance in the United States about how he got started in sourcing, sourcing without tools, and what questions he asks when he starts a new consulting gig. Welcome to episode 21 of the Sourcing Challenge Show. I'm your host, Mark Longgren. This week's episode is brought to you by Amazing Hiring. Amazing Hiring is a search engine for technical talent. With their help, you can more easily find developers, data scientists, QA engineers, and other specialists among 20 million tech candidates. Make a search cry using Boolean operators, include all the necessary requirements, and get the most relevant results. You can add additional conditions to the query, like current title. Here's a look at the output of our test search. Or you can dive into the pre-selected talent pools. In this case, we're searching for Python developers. You can use filters to narrow down the search output. For example, see only hidden stars who either don't have a LinkedIn account or don't share the information about their skill set on LinkedIn. In the full candidate profile, you'll see contact details, social profile links, achievements, the technical stack, experience and education. You can email a candidate directly from the search output or place that candidates to your pipeline folders. You can download candidates' emails from your pipeline folders in one easy click as a CSV file to use for personalized sequences. Amazing Hiring's free Chrome extension will assist you while you're sourcing on social sites. All of the benefits that Amazing Hiring are offering can be used for sourcing globally. Join more than a thousand other sources and recruiters from over 20 countries. We have a special offer for the Sourcing Challenge Show audience. Get your extended two-week trial by using the promo code SourcingChallenge at the requested demo on AmazingHiring.com. I first asked Ronnie how he got started in sourcing. Uh, before I got into this industry, so I've been doing this for 18 years now. Um, so before that, I, was when I worked for a U.S. Uh, retailer called Target Stores. I was a store manager there for 15 or 16 years, um, and I decided to quit because, you know, life was not um, very fun. Um, so I never looked for, for a job in my entire life, so I had no clue on how to do anything. So, you know, when I, put, I thought I could become a business manager. You know, I was already a store manager managing uh, 500 people, running a $45 million business. Um, I thought it'd be easy to get a job. And this is 1998. Um, and I, I had no clue, and it was rough. And um, so for a year, I never found a job. I did the, the job postings. I didn't know how to interview very well. I just didn't know what I was doing. So out of the blue one day, I posted my resume to the monster.com website, and uh, some guy calls me out of the blue, and he saw the word recruiter on my resume. I'm like, yeah, I recruited out of colleges, but that was pretty easy. I just give them money and they'll come to work for me. <laughs> it's pretty simple. So I said, what, is, what does a recruiter do? And he goes, tell me about it. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of bored. I'll come in and talk to you. So, so I came in and talked to him, and I was like intrigued. And this was back before, it was right at the internet bubble. Um, so we were, you know, he told me, you know, get on the phone. We're going to do a lot of fax machine. We're going to do some print advertising. I'm like, okay, let's try it out. And I really liked it. I was like, oh, my God, I really like this job. It's pretty cool. So uh, my first lesson out of that whole transition was that uh, he found me through a keyword search. It wasn't about my background. It just saw the word recruiter on my resume. So I had no qualifications. But I, I went through the program and um, 
So I did contingency work for like six years, made it through the first bubble um, of the U.S. downturn uh, in 2001. In about 2006, uh, I have a good friend of mine named Eric Jaquith who says, hey, man, you need to get into consulting. You'd be a really, really good consultant. I'm like, no, 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 no I don't want to do that. And then the firm I was working for was going to, I was doing RPO work, and they were going to uh, ditch the RPO. And he, the owner walks up to me, and he goes, hey, dude, you'd be really good at consulting. You should think about that. I'm like, this is two people in like a week saying this. He goes, I'll keep you here until you find a, a contract job. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, so I posted out into the marketplace and uh, got my first gig uh, in 2006 as a consultant uh, doing work in Puerto Rico, of all places, and um, loved it. And then I got in with a large organization like Microsoft, uh, spent some time there. I spent a lot of time with Avanad uh, and has progressed in the past few years into smaller organizations is where my focus is now. Um, so I've been a consultant for a long time. I can I count 12 years now and uh, I know how to get fired. It's really fun. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> what do you normally get called in to do? For the past couple of years, I've been more called in to do the, the really hard to find people. Um, so my niche is no tools because I, I am a consultant, so I don't have that privy of having a budget of a million dollars uh, for sourcing tools. So through my career, I've learned how to do things without um, tools, even though I know that I have access to some stuff, but um, I'm a very hands-on, heavy, deep web kind of guy. Um, so the process has been working on hard to fill roles, and in the last two years, I've been called in to do a lot of training. Um, so that's been fun as well, um, doing some training on the side. And, um, and then most recently, I got the honor to work with, uh, alongside Shally Steckerl, uh, building a, a sourcing model for a large insurance organization here in, in the U.S., uh, which was very, very successful. So uh, Shally was the architect, and I was the project manager, and I basically uh, guided six sourcers to find more leads per day and they, they increase their lead rate by 100% per day uh, through, this, through our process and our methodologies um, because they were just using job boards and LinkedIn. And so we taught them how to find attendee lists and how to do Google dorks and uh, go into the deep web, use different search engines besides Google. Um, get, you know, like I always tell people to get off Google. Uh, that's my big, my big speech. Um, even though I'm going to, even though I'm SourceCon in the fall, I am going to be doing a lot of Google stuff. So if you want to come to my pre-workshop, I'm going to do a little sell there. Uh, feel free to come see it. It's a lot of, a lot of the stuff you probably already know, but I'm trying to, I'm testing a lot of really, really deep stuff. Um, but back to your question, that's kind of what I've been doing in the past couple of years. What are your, your own kind of tools that you use for, for those hard to find roles? There's a lot of them. Like, I guess there's so many. The big thing for me is I always ask my client, like, what is working? You know, what, where, where are you finding your people? And, of course, you know, I wanna, I'm not going to take off that path. So if LinkedIn is working for them, they just don't have time to source LinkedIn, I will go to LinkedIn and do what they're finding. If it's their ATS or if it's they're using a, a job board, and I'm at, I have access to it, I'll continue to do that. But I want to add my own flavor. I want to find things that they're not really finding on the web. So my process is, um, like I taught at SourceCon in Austin, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but I did 10 different search engines 
I use the same syntax uh, with just a little bit of variation. And through those 10 different search engines, I found 10 different profiles on the first landing page that you would not find on Google. Mm. And they were actual resumes. They weren't LinkedIn profiles. They were resumes of people. So the, the point is, is that, in my opinion, Google's a great thing because it's a verb, right? If you ask somebody to go search something, they're going to, I'm going to go Google it. Okay, that's what it is, which is fine. I mean, I use Google every day too, but also what I try to do is find things that other people are not using. So um, like today, I'm looking at three different new search engines I want to maybe introduce at SourceCon. Uh, just I'm, I'm testing them just to make sure they're not pulling the data from Google. They, they probably are, but are they in, indexing differently than Google index? Because Google basically tells you what they want you to find, not what you want to find. Back in the day when we first started doing sourcing, back in 2000, um, it was, it was, you, you did have to manipulate the web to make it work, right? Now it's all, it's all AI automated, right? You type in stuff and it tells you what it wants to, it, it kind of reads your mind, right? You still have to manipulate that data. You know, you got to go put in the subtext. You got to put in the hacks and things like that to get what you're looking for, not what they want you to find. I, I, I did recently get the chance to uh, work with Seekout, mm-hmm. um, and I used it on my last project with Avanade, and um, I did an analysis of my leads that I submitted to the recruiters, and I found most of my leads through Seekout. They had the most leads. Uh, I just did that analysis back to Anoop um, yesterday. He wanted to find out, like, what, you know, what, where were your leads come from versus Seekout, and Seekout came out number one. Um, I think the versatility, this is not an ad for Seekout, but I was just saying it's a really, really good tool. There's a lot of really good ones out there, but I just had the most recent privilege to use it, so I can definitely give a little shout-out to Seekout. And you went out to, uh, to SourceCon in Budapest. What was your uh, what you're feeling about the, the differences between SourceCon in, in the U.S. and in Europe? Yeah, so I'm a SourceCon junkie. Um, I've been to all SourceCons except for three. Unfortunately, I missed the first one, and I missed the ones in 2014. Uh, due to work. Um, so I kind of feel bad about that, but uh, I think there's only one other person that's been to more, and that's Jim Schneider. So we had that little fun over in Budapest. Um, so I've seen SourceCon grow from a really small group to this huge banana f- of people. Um, so, and, you know, I have mixed feelings about that personally, but uh, I still attend and I still get a lot of value out of the conference. So in the U.S. comparison, it's... Um, to a point where you really strategically have to know what you're going to gain and what you're going to do at SourceCon in those few days because there's like 800 people there. I'm a big believer of meeting as many people as I possibly can that I don't know. Give that philosophy here in a minute. It's more strategic, like you really need to know what you're going to get out of um, plan your, you know, plan your time. So going to Budapest, which it was my first international conference, believe it or not. So. Uh, I, as a consultant, everything comes out of my pocket, so you know nobody's paying for my trip or anything. So this was a big deal for me. Uh, it's about an eight-month process to to kind of budget and make sure I could go and you know, incorporated a family vacation out of it as well. So that worked out really well. Uh, but I was really excited, and I didn't know, I did not know what to expect. My um, my expectation level was low, and I, that's that's how I went into it. I had a few goals. The goals were to uh, help at the conference to be a volunteer. The second goal was to meet some peers that I've never met. Um, and so when I got to Budapest and the conference started, my expectation level went high. And as the 
uh, as the as the meetings progressed, uh, with the one-on-ones on the side, and then the content that was delivered um, through the, the main speakers. And that's what the the thing about the SourceCon Budapest was. There was not as much material, so it was easier to follow everything. Mm. Um, it wasn't like I had to go like three sessions were going on, and I wanted to go to all three, right? And I can't be in all three. I, I didn't have that issue at Budapest, um, so I was able to really take in all the speakers. Um, and then here's my other expectation level: I I got to run a roundtable, and there, it was two scenarios: at the, uh, the roundtable, and then there was a couple of conversations I had with people on the side. The roundtable, you know, is about contact information, and Basically, everybody in the, the roundtables, the three times I did it, um, was fascinating, the level of sourcing knowledge on the table. So it really didn't come down to like, hey, what tools are you using? It came more about, hey, like, for instance, in France, we can't find phone numbers very well. People in France don't like to be called. So they really did a really well job of not providing information. So we did more of a brain participation of everybody in the different countries to help this young lady out. That was cool. And so my expectation levels were like, man, these people are really, really smart. And then like, I'll give you another example. I had uh, a breakfast with uh, a young lady and I said, where are you from? She said, Spain. And I was like, I'm from the U.S. And she goes, I'm an HR person. I'm like, HR, cool. What what brings you to SourceCon? She goes, well, you know, I've been playing at the source for a year or two and, you know, this Google custom search engine stuff is really killing me. I'm like, okay, you're telling me that you know Google custom search engines? And she's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, your, your, your sourcing level is a lot higher than most people I know in this industry. So don't feel bad that you don't understand it very well because it takes years to understand it. I still struggle with it, right? So, so my expectation levels for Budapest were amazing. Uh, I brought back lots of friendships and continued conversations, um, and I'm looking forward to building my international friends uh, just like I have here in the U.S. So uh, I'm glad I went, and I'm looking forward to the next one in Amsterdam. You're coming over to Amsterdam as well? I plan on it if I'm still here on Earth, yes. Um, <laughs> and if I can continue to make money. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're speaking at SourceCon in Atlanta. Tell me a bit about you're doing pre-training and you're speaking as well. Well, I'm not speaking anything in the main part. I'm doing a, the pre-conference workshop. So pretty proud that the other three members that are at the same time are very very good as well so it's gonna be kind of like who do you choose and i'm sure they'll choose the others maybe but i don't really care <laughs> now anyway so my topic is uh precision sourcing so uh kind of more like what i've been doing what i do is showing people how to use google the right way um and find people talking about themselves you know things like that and how to do that so lots of syntax and then we're going to break it down. I'm going even deeper to like using some of the Google dorks that are normal, but even deeper, like some of the hacks that programmers use. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of testing that right now. So I'm not saying it's all, all moment yet, but uh, I am finding stuff really, really cool. So it's not really like I'm not finding the resumes per se, but I'm finding stuff that people are talking about Python, for instance, using like in URL. Uh, colon PHP, uh, then some other syntax that these hackers use mm-hmm. to find passwords and stuff. So I'm testing these really heavy, they call them Google dorks, but they're really heavy Google dorks. They're not, they're not your normal ones, like 
so they're really going into stuff like password files and text files. And so I'm trying to find stuff like that. So I'm testing that out. That's going to be part of my uh, pre-conference workshop. And then um, I'm going to show some search engines, of course, because that's my favorite thing in the world to do. So it's like a two hours of just really showing people. It could be any, and anybody can attend. It could be a beginner to somebody as well as me and you because uh, everybody's going to learn something. That's my goal, too, is to share in this room. You know, everybody, everybody has something to share. Um, I always learn something from everybody else. So, so it's really just about getting your sourcing really targeted and, and being precise and finding what you're really looking for. Get some Google stuff and some non-Google stuff, so um, stuff that people don't even talk about. If, when you're out and you're training and, and people like you coming out to the ones that you were saying that, They do job boards and they have a LinkedIn recruiter license. Where do you start? I always ask the question up front, like, what are you doing now? Like, just tell me what, what's working, what's not working. Give me a typical search process that you're doing. Most people just like say, I just use my ETS, I use my LinkedIn, I use my job board. I'm like, I don't hear anybody going, hey, I'm doing some Google searches or I'm doing Bing searches or I'm you know, jumping on some of these other other web uh, services out there. Um, so what I try to tell people is that use what's working and let me show you what you need to do in your other 15% of your day. Because um, in, in, in most models here in the U.S. at least, um, sourcers are still doing recruiting work. So they're doing outreach, which is recruiting. In the sourcing part, which is what we're talking about, um, the stuff that I do, if you're a recruiter, This should be 15% of your day, not all day long, because you'll get stuck in that rut. Mm. Uh, you need, or you can hire me, and I'll do all that work for you all day long. <laughs> so, um, but if you're, if you, if I hear them saying I'm doing outreach and I'm having to do interviews, I'm like, okay, let me show you what you need to do in your 15% of your day to make you better sourcer than what your your peers are doing or your competition's doing. So that's kind of what I teach. Um, That, that really heavy, deep, deep web stuff. Um, and then if they have tools, definitely use those. Uh, but I think then uh, I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts and some of the, my peers and I always hear them always talk about tools, 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 but I don't hear anybody talking about how to do deep web searches and, and, and actually type into things. And I mean, you can use those tools to get Boolean strings or syntax and you can manipulate them, but you need to know how to do it manually before you can use a tool. I feel like, mm -hmm. like it's like working on a car. You know, I don't want somebody that does, does not know how to build my engine manually before they plug it into a computer. I want them to understand the function of that, that service. So, like, when I show a search engine, for instance, like, for instance, eTools, eTools over in Switzerland, which is an amazing search site, I want to show them how it works. And then, now, and then let them plug and play and, and work it their way, right? So, um, not just to go jump in and just type something and get something magically out of it so um so i feel like the the, the tool the, the, the tool phenomenon is here but you still need to you still need to know how to do the basics and that's why that's what i try to teach i have nothing against the tools but there's a, some people using too much for a crutch i i think tools are awesome i'd love to have more access to more of them but uh you know so anybody wants me to test stuff just give me a call <laughs> but um But yeah, I, I feel like in the market that I can actually do more manually than most people are not willing to do or forget how to do. Like I did some training recently and they were 16 to 20 year recruiters 
And everything I taught, they were like, oh, I, I remember that. I just don't do it anymore. <laughs> exactly. And I should be doing They said, I should be doing that. Yeah. I'm like, yes, you should. So it, was, it felt bad about it because I, I, was, I was like a reminder training versus a learning training. They already kind of knew the stuff. But that's sometimes the best training because if all you hear is things that you've never heard before, there's a very little of it that's going to stick. But if, yeah. if most of what you hear is things that you really, you already know, it's that re repetition and actually like, oh yeah, that worked well. And I tried that or it was new a couple of years ago and I just tested it out, but it didn't let me have another look at that. People just uh, are getting to rely on the crutches and things like that. So I try try to get motiv motivate people to try try something new always. You know, do something different every day, um, or go learn something new every day. I try to learn something every day uh, through all the sources and things things out there in the market. Anything else want people out there to know? I guess the big thing for me is I'm a truly passionate sourcer. I I love what I do. Um, I feel like there is a market for this and. Uh, and it is a career that you can grow into, and it's not an entry-level job. Um, <laughs> let me just state that for function. It's not entry-level. You can start entry-level, but it's not. If you want to start that way, again, I think everybody should be a recruiter before they're a sorcerer, so you understand what recruiting does. Because I've been sitting on a couple of committees for uh, ATAP, so I get to hear some great discussions with some great minds. We discuss sourcing a lot, right, because I'm on the sourcing metrics, metrics and function committee. And, you know, defining those metrics in the sourcing world was a lot of arguments, especially with the belief system we have as what does a sourcer really do and where's the recruiting function start, right? So my belief is sourcing and the recruiting function starts when you start to engage with people. So think about the procurement process and sourcing in the raw material world. You take a piece of raw material, right? And you give that raw material to somebody to manipulate. That's the recruiting part. So what I try to teach people is like, I love the sourcing space and I think there's value added into that in organizations because what I do, you, most people don't have time to do. Um, so if you want me to find things that other people are not finding, for instance, even in the, uh, I'm working with the contingency staff here, they want to build a sourcing model into their team. So I commend them for that because, you know, in, in the staffing world, you're competing against a gazillion firms, right? And they're all doing the same thing. They're all touching LinkedIn. They're all on career building. They're all on Indeed, right? They're probably touching the same persons. But if you do what their deep sourcing is, then you're going to find things that they're not doing. That's how, I, that's how I played the game when I was in staffing. I wanted to be better than my teammates, and I wanted to do something different. That's how I got into sourcing. It was like, I'm doing something that they're not doing. You know, I'm digging in this world. And they're still on Career Builder and LinkedIn. And I'm finding people way outside of that model that are not even being called. So my callbacks are even better, right? They're like, how'd you find me? I'm like, just, you know, I found your blog. Hey, I heard you talking about something. Pretty cool, you know? So I, I, I feel like in, 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 in the world economy that sourcing is going to grow into something that's really needed. Let's, let's split that back into AI because that's a big discussion now, right? how AI is going to take over sourcing. I don't think so. I think there's going to be, I had this discussion with Glenn Cathy two years ago, and we talked about AI and how it is good. It's happening. AI can be programmed to do a lot of things for you. It can scrape the web, right? But is it going to scrape the entire web? Is it going to go to SERPs or is it going to go to eTools? 
you, you got to program it, right? But you got to have to have somebody manually, like me, go in and do these. I'm gonna call it like the SEAL kind of Navy SEAL kind of stuff. The elite kind of people going in and doing this deep web stuff because AI can't cover everything. Um, you still have to have some manual process in the sourcing model. So I, I feel like there is a market for really, really good sorcerers that are really intrigued and, like me, curious to, to go dig in places people don't want to go take the time to dig in and, and find and, and bring up new, new things for people to look at for the recruiters. If people will stay in touch with you, Ronnie, and, and see where life takes you and, uh, and, and where, you're, you know, where you're working next, can they best do that? Best way is LinkedIn, of course. That's been around forever. Um, still, still a good tool. Uh, you can so just look for me, Ronnie Bratcher. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, and then my Twitter account, but at Ronnie Bratcher, you can find me there. Uh, Facebook, I'm kind of personal, so I'd rather meet you in person before I <laughs> tie into my little Pearl Jam world or my cycling world. Thank you very much, and uh, and I I look forward to seeing you soon, either in uh, in Atlanta or in in Amsterdam. Yeah, and uh, I'll probably be in Seattle as well. So we'll see each other again.